The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you, all of you who are able to join us live here on this Wednesday evening. Or, you know what, if you're not able to join us live, we appreciate you listening to us in the future as well as too. There's a lot to talk about in the world of sports, and we can't wait to get into it as well, too. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, football is back, but depending on who you talk to, it never really left. You just got a hold, you just got something else to look forward to. Uh, channeling our good friend, uh, Zach Kyleman, football mm-hmm. never leaves anymore. It is always football mm-hmm. season. And if you asked him, maybe it's the real football season now. You have, you know, off-season NFL is where the good stuff happens, really. And you have the XFL kicking off version 3.0 and we're getting ready for the usfl here in what another couple week and a half or a month and a half basically april 14th so it's it's been an exciting time i mean you know it's it's it's, it's good times good times for all football fans absolutely you mentioned that that we have a new brand of football that is out right now more coming up the off season is officially unofficially officially underway with the nfl combine coming up so we're gonna talk a little bit about that we're gonna talk about the xfl as well too among some other things plus we're now in the home stretch after All-Star Weekend for the NBA as well, to which begs a very interesting question that we're going to be talking about later, so you definitely want to stick around for that. We're going to answer the tough question in crunch time as well, too. It's a tough question with a few different answers, and, well, we're going to find the right one for you as well, too. So you definitely want to stick around for that one as well, too. But that is enough for the, enough of this long, elongated intro. It's time to get into our tip-off segment. And the tip-off, of course, is brought to you by our good friends over at RexMD. Get 90% off RexMD and only pay $2 per dose dosage using the link listed there below and you know what i could tell you all about rex md telehealth for men but you know what go ahead and take a listen here and learn a little bit more about it from some from our good friends fellas do you sometimes need a little help in the bedroom valentine's day is just around the corner and our sponsors at rex md are here to help you make this the best night of your life erectile dysfunction is a common medical issue that over 30 million men in the u.s tackle every day We've all had those nights where we get too nervous and just need a little help. The doctors at RexMD will evaluate you online, no office visit needed, and ship medication directly to your door before the big day. With RexMD, they're here to help and provide you with real FDA-approved medications at the best price. Act now to take advantage of their Valentine's Day deal by heading to RexMD.com slash bellyup. Our exclusive deal will save you up to 90% off where you'll pay as low as $2 per dose on generic Viagra instead of $90 plus on Viagra. That's RexMD slash BillyUp. For 90% off, your partner will thank you. And always a pleasure to hear from our good friends over at RexMD as well, too. So definitely go check them out as well. And before we get into the actual topic of our first our tip-off segment, we do have a comment because we appreciate each and everyone who tunes in. We don't want to give you the shaft. We want to acknowledge those right away. So we're going to look at this first one from RJ saying, it's never too early. What do the Bears do? And does the Lake Show make the playoffs? So I'll go quickly. I think the Bears are going to trade that pick. I think there is just too much that you can get back from it. And I don't I think there's enough to see from Justin Fields still to go. So I think they will I think they will make a deal. I don't think any of these QBs is bright is Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, where you can't miss no matter what or anything like that. And I think the Lake Show, I think they make the play in, but the playoffs, Anthony Davis needs to play. He needs to basically play the rest of the year. He can only miss a handful of games. He needs to play, he needs to play like Anthony Davis. That's the only way I think they make pass the play in. Look, playoffs. We're talking about the playoffs with this this team. That is no. 
Uh, I'm with you. I, maybe the 10 seed uh, going into the playing game. They might win the first playing game, but I don't see them getting out of the playing playing tournament. And uh, as far as the Bears go, yeah, trade the pick. Trade trade the pick is is what they need to do. They need to trade back. Uh, you're gonna you, you can get a weapon for Justin Fields later in the draft. Me too. That's okay. You can get him second, third round, really. But you're gonna get a haul for that number one pick. Take it. Get your offensive line set up. Get a pass rusher while you're there because there's loads of them in this draft. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. Absolutely. There's a lot you could do with that pick as well, too. There's a lot. We agree. We hope they're right as well, too. And we'll, we're going to talk a little bit more about that number one pick here a little bit later when we talk about the NFL draft and the prospects and kind of kick off that segment. But first, we got a different brand of football that's actually playing right now is XFL 3.0 is underway right now with week one just wrapping up. And you know what? Third time's a charm. I'd say it was a pretty good opening weekend while watching the games. I was I thoroughly enjoyed it. Most of them were pretty close to one a little lopsided, but it was a fun brand of football, and you take it as it is XFL football. You can't compare it to Patrick Mahomes throwing laser beams, but it is a fun brand of football. Oh, it was absolutely exciting. I mean, look, this is this was this is a lot of fun to watch week one. Uh, fun fact for week one, if you guys didn't know, there were three coaches who had previous experience. All three teams of those three coaches were favored, and guess what? They all managed to pull out a victory. Uh, so very interesting there to see. And actually, every game did cross the over on their over-unders, but it, interestingly enough, similar to how the USFL Week 1 also mm-hmm. did the same thing there. Uh, so it was very interesting to watch the XFL, the, 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 the way they kicked off. And, and just, I mean, really, you got to see a lot of fun and a lot of excitement. I mean, St. Louis Battlehawks alone, that game was absolutely insane, down 18-3 to going into the fourth, come back, or down 15-3 to going into the fourth, come back to win 18-15. to That was an insane game. Uh, Seattle, D.C. comes down to a... Uh, ben DiNucci fumble. There was the Arlington Renegades coming back from three touchdowns down in the first in the first game. Orlando Guardians tried to make a game out of it, but uh, well, there's a Paxton Lynch story there that, that mm-hmm. needs to be talked about too. Absolutely, but we'll, we'll go and go right off to the top here. The first game I have looked list on the docks is the Vegas Vipers taking on the Arlington Renegades, and you know what? This one to me, this was what USFL football should really all be about. A very close game, twenty-two to twenty, right down to the wire. When you look into the numbers, too, the funny part is Luis Perez, the quarterback for the Vipers, very, very good as like an alternate football quarterback. Unfortunately, he accounted for almost all the scoring in this game, both in a good way and in a bad way, with a couple of, with a few touchdown passes, three touchdown passes for his own team. That's great. But a couple of touchdown passes to the other team with a couple of pick sixes that kind of got them back into it and let Arlington spring that second half comeback. So when I, when I look at that game, that's, that's just a fun game. But what kind of, as great as Luis Perez played, though, uh, 15 carries for 25 yards on the ground is not going to get it done, especially when you got 31 carries for 83 yards on the other end. So not a great yards per carry average either way you go about it, but one stuck to it and they basically just waited till Perez tossed a few their way and it kind of played out as well. It was almost like playing Brett Favre back in the day. He'll throw you a couple. You just got to catch him and walk the other way. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, look, Luis Perez is a guy that, that you kind of live and die by in the, in these alternate leagues. Um, you, you know, a lot of literally every league, that has come about in spring since the AAFL, since this they all re- really restarted again, has featured Luis Perez in some way, shape, or form. Um, at, it, the only one that didn't was the XFL 2.0 because they weren't around long enough to have Luis Perez uh, because of, well, the shutdown. Um, hmm. But, yeah, no, so it was it's very interesting to see that he accounted for, I mean, really, yeah, 90% of the scoring outside of field goals. So uh, pretty pretty impressive to see. Um, and yeah, the Arlington Renegades coming back. And two, the two, first of all, two top teams in the league for facing off week one. 
Um, that was that was pretty well unanimously accepted by most people. Uh, our good friends over at the USFL podcast, who also do an XFL podcast, did their rankings, and that was really what they came up with. Was it was the Vegas Vipers or it was the Arlington Renegades as their number one option there? Um, so yeah, it's, it was an impressive game to kick it off, and I really feel like it, it set the tone for the rest of the weekend. Really, absolutely as well. Too. Now, we'll move on ahead to our next game as we had. Not the probably the least close game is the Orlando Guardians having a rough time with the Roughnecks out of Houston as well. And this one, in a very similar fashion, featured a whole lot of interceptions, a combined five interceptions, not a lot on the ground. And you know what? A fun callback to a very popular NFL name to those who have followed for the last 10 or so years is you mentioned Paxton Lynch, a fun story with him. That starts the game 14 of 20, 125, a touchdown and a pick, sacked four times for 27 yards, but as has been a unfortunately a common trend throughout his career, he was he was yanked out there pretty early on a short leash and replaced by Quentin Dor- Dormady as the backup quarterback who threw a touchdown but threw a couple of picks of his own. So for the Guardians, uh, not able not able to guard a whole lot today. It was a very rough outing for them, especially for the two signal callers. Yeah, uh, yeah well, okay. What a story for Paxton Lynch, and I don't mean this in a good way. First of all, <laughs> first player in all of football history to be benched in four different pro leagues. In the NFL, in the CFL, in the USFL, and now in the XFL 3.0. Four different pro leagues this man has been benched. He had had one good year at Memphis. He ate at wing stop during his draft night. (laughs) Or, well, sorry, at thigh stop at the time. uh, Or they did some special for him. But anyways, (laughs) wing stop, thigh stop in Memphis at the time. uh, Made a big deal about the, the, the wings. And, well, I mean, he must have had too many wings on draft night because he's been dropping the football ever since. It's, it is awful to watch. Uh, I mean, some of the names he's been replaced by is just in uh, – just, no. Tim Tebow hmm. along the lines. Like, guys that he should never be replaced be replaced with in, in the world. And uh, it was just kind of, this is kind of an unfortunate situation. We looked up his stats the other day. Actually not a bad stat line in his career. Nearly 65 66% completion rate in his career. 732 yards in six games played in the NFL, four touchdowns, four interceptions in the NFL. He was started this game off 70% from the uh, in the game, so like it's hard to be like, "Oh, this guy is bad because he's not bad bad, but he's not decent." Like he's just he's somewhere in between in that mystery of Jake Plummer slash Jake the Snake slash Ryan Leaf. I don't even know what to expect from this guy. I think there's just something about 6-7 quarterbacks that just never work out. It's just not meant to be like you want to be able to see over the line, but if you could dunk on the offensive line, it's too far. So you got to find the happy medium as well. And not to get lost in all that as well, too. The Roughnecks defense was putting them both in hell. They had seven sacks total with four, not one, not two, not three, but four from coming from Trent Harris alone that accounted for 28 lost yards as well, too. So a fantastic showing from the Roughnecks defense led by Trent Harris, who have fun quarterbacks coming up for the rest of the year. It looks like he's going to be just spending a lot of time in the back. Wade Phillips had a line before this season started that he he basically said my my defensive or my defensive pass rush should be in the NFL, hmm. and and I don't know if that's a Wade Phillips thing because he just does that like he just does pass rushes like especially outside pass rushers uh, is just what he's Demarcus Ware can take half part of his career to Wade Phillips uh, I don't know what it is but yeah it's like Wade Phillips gets involved and it's immediately like all right you guys know how to pass rush now congratulations here you go. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 funny that, that they they work out that way. Um, and look, I feel bad for any offensive line in the in the XFL going forward because it is going to be 
quite a wild situation, uh, to say the least. Absolutely. You know, with Wade Phillips scheming him up too, even if you ha- are able to match them talent-wise, oh, he's going to pull some magic tricks out of the hats where there's like triple stunts going. Next thing you know, there's a guy <laughs> looping off from one tackle to the opposite tight end on block. So he's gonna he's definitely going to pull you, some tricks out of that hat. You thought a Texas stunt was bad. Just wait till you see the double reverse triple Texas stunt in the in there. And I don't even know if that's a real thing. But for Wade Phillips, it might become a real thing. If, if he's pulling tricks out of the hat, he's got the he's got the one car salesman from the fairly odd parent sized hat there that he's gonna be pulling out of as well. Too. Oh, Doug Dimadome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimadome. That's gonna be the bag that we got to see him pulling things out of as well too. So. Yeah, I I do want to say before we move on from this game, uh, worst helmets in the league so far belong to the Renegades. Yeah, that yeah, they're lucky that they were dominating because they were not winning any pageantry with those as well too. It just it was a, it was a bad. Texas flag on the on the helmet just does not work. I'm sorry. It I, it looked like a it looked like a mocked version of a Star Wars helmet a little bit as well too. Like it like a parody version almost as well too. It was it not really their best. Work. It was a rough one, but we'll see. The way they get after quarterbacks, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna stand back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't want to be the offensive lineman that deals with that. Absolutely. And next, we're going to what might be what might be your two teams here in the XFL as well too. Just still kind of up in there. We see you have the St. Louis Battlehawks taking on the San Antonio Bahamas. A very close game, 18 to 15, but the St. Louis Battlehawks with a tremendous fourth quarter run, scoring 15 points in the fourth. But San Antonio had nine of their own, so we had a little bit of a slow game throughout, followed by an explosive fourth quarter led by maybe not your favorite quarterback in this league, A.J. McCarron, tossing a couple of touchdowns as well, too. And when we look at the Rahamas as well, too, Jack Cohn, a guy from no, you know what? We thought there was some NFL potential there just to make a roster, but it, it kind of flamed <laughs> out a little bit. Cut 200 yards, a touchdown, and a pick as well, too. So a really competitive, really close game with a very, very exciting finish, but not quite as explosive as those other ones. Yeah, look, the Brahmas are are they're a team that they're 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 they're, they're a run team. I mean, they're just a purely a run first team, mm-hmm. uh, led by oh, by the way, Kalen Balaj. Uh, anybody remember him? Because he's Belage playing in the XFL. Out. Yeah, he's playing in the XFL, and so is Jaquez Patrick. If you guys don't remember him, he's just kind of a sneaky running back that, that had a little bit of a moment uh, in college, and, and then it disappeared. Uh, but as you mentioned, the Battle Hawks, A.J. McCarron. Look, I, I've, I've said a lot of things about a lot of Alabama quarterbacks in, in my career. A.J. McCarron probably I've said the most things about uh, in, in his career. But I got to give the guy credit. He's, he's been through a lot in his life. Uh, and then on top of that, well, he also has a 10 for a wife who he's had three children with now at this point in time and uh to see him do go through everything he went through especially you know looking at the nfl all the stuff he went through in the nfl you guys remember the concussion helmets those special special edition concussion helmets that came out that looked like a giant marshmallow he was the reason for that helmet that mean he was the first guy to try it out in the nfl and let's just say that it, well that didn't really help his game very much either uh hmm. to say the least but uh, look he he went through a lot, and to see him come back and make it, make this comeback, and and that for, that fourth quarter, like the rest of the game sucked. I'll be honest, the rest of the game was awful. There were three missed field goals, um, three made field goals, and but it was just, it was atrocious. I like, honestly, the rest of the game was just not fun to watch. But the fourth quarter was as exciting as it gets, and that's what really what the XFL is is coming and bringing about with this new three edition of the XFL. It is a lot of fun, I got to say. Uh, but yeah, seeing him score, you know, bring back bring this one back home for the battle Hawks. It kind of continues the trend of the battle Hawks from the previous edition of the XFL where they were an exciting team. Uh, but then on top of that, now you have AJ McCarron basically balling on the sideline because he was so happy to finally be back on a field and, and bring his team to a victory. That was, that was, that was really cool. But yeah, the Brahmas 
maybe my backup team now, but I'm going to, I'm going to ride with the battle Hawks for now. Absolutely. And I do also want to mention to a familiar face from the big 12, Hakeem Butler are citing as well too. a few catches, Hakeem including Butler. a touchdown as well too. Who, if you remember in college, a, a clutch, clutch late touchdown. He put defensive backs in hell being six foot five, two twenty, and incredible ball skills. Unfortunately, NFL didn't quite pan out because he can't really run away from people. So everything <laughs> no, no, he's great no. at contested catches. The problem is everything is contested because he wasn't able to escape and, Unfortunately, a little bit too thin to make that full-time conversion to tight end as well, too. So it's glad to see him getting a chance to kind of just do what he does best and still bully defensive backs as well, too. And Adrian McCarron is not afraid to throw it up there, especially in the red zone area as well, too. He'll put, he'll him, put it up some Marcel Aitman, man, if you guys know know about Marcel Aitman. Marcel Aitman from Oklahoma State, he was another dude that we thought he had some some NFL. But, uh, uh, yeah, did not pan out. He's also too small as well. Both of those dudes are just over six foot three, and he just threw it up to him Like, he had fun. <laughs> And then yeah. there was Austin Prohl, who is shorter than both of them and somehow got open the most. Yeah, absolutely. As well, now going to the net, to the cap of them all as well, too, is we have one of the better quarterback matchups on paper, even though it didn't necessarily play like that in the game, is we have the DC, the DC defenders taking on the Seattle Sea Dragons, including the Josh Gordon, as you as many of you well know as well, too. Who Maybe you've heard of Josh Gordon. He had a pretty good game himself, six for 74 and a touchdown as well, picking up right where he left off, lighting it up. It, early on in his debut as well, but I want to circle back to the quarterbacks as well too. Ben DiNucci with 54 pass attempts, 35 for 54 for 282, one touchdown, a couple of picks and Steve Montez, a relatively popular name in some alternate football areas as well too, getting a couple of tosses in there, one for two. And then for the DC defenders, speaking a popular uh, alternate football quarterbacks, Jordan Tiamu, arguably the the best quarterback on paper in the XFL. Former battle Hawk. That former Battlehawk as well, too. And De'Ari King, your old boy from back in college, who you at one point said was going to help beat Alabama, and then he let you down the rest of the way as well. Yeah, we're never, not going to talk about never that. Never bounce back never. from that. It's been two years, and he's let you down that badly ever since. But he got we'll, a couple. We'll, of, never, talk, we'll never talk about De'Ari King as, as a Miami Hurricane ever again. Never again. But both quarterbacks getting it done on the ground, rushing it, each one getting a rushing touchdown as well, too, without a passing touchdown. But this was also another one of those really close quality games, 22 to 18 DC scoring the only points of the fourth quarter to get them the dub as well too. And honestly, I think the Seattle sea dragons have a little bit of something through the air. I think they have a good passing attack. The problem is, I mean, Jacor Peterson had 12 catches for 95 yards and that's not even, and then you have Josh Gordon, as you mentioned, you can't throw 54 times. So, I mean, you had 17 rushes for 51 yards. Like you had a bunch of plays, but it's gotta be more, Maybe 40 to 25, 54 and 17 quite won't quite work. So they got to find a way to keep the ball somewhat on the ground, kind of moving 54 pass attempts is just a little outrageous. I, what is the last time I saw a quarterback throw 54 pass attempts in a loss? Um, I think Tom Brady, maybe no. Maybe, yeah. No. Tom Brady this last season in the playoffs. Yeah. Against yeah, the Cowboys. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah, he threw 60. Yeah. So that's the last. But before that, I mean, you very rarely see a quarterback touch 50 pass attempts in a game. I mean, very, very rarely, unless they're making a huge comeback. Um, and that's the thing. This game wasn't a, t- a situation where they're making a huge comeback by any means. Like, it was a back-and-forth game. And yeah, like, it really, like, I wow. Um, and, look, Ben DiNucci, uh, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I don't know which way to go with it because he does have that crucial fumble there at the end of the game, and that's what sealed it. Um but yeah, like uh, you had a great game, like three three receivers over fifty yards. To one of them, Josh Gordon, obviously Blake Jackson as well with 50, 51 yards on eight catches. 
eight catches, by the way, uh, and then 12 catches for Jacor Pearson, as you mentioned, for 95 yards. Easily the best air game we've seen so far. This one kind of reminds me of the previous edition XFL, the Battle Hawk, or not the Battle Hawk, but the, um, the old Renegades at the time, with led, led by an old, uh, uh, well, now NFL quarterback in uh, PJ Wilson. Uh, PJ, yeah, PJ Wilson. So, um, yeah, I mean, or, yeah, PJ Tucker, sorry, quarterback Carolina Panthers. There you go. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a lot, a lot of air in there, but you just got, got to figure out a way to stop them defensively. And there wasn't a whole lot of defensive play there for Seattle. And um, despite the cool uniforms, I, I do like the updated orange helmets for the, the sea dragons. Um, despite the stupid S logo now versus the old logo. I like the old logo better. still. Um, I do like the new helmets though. So I don't know. I just, yeah, couldn't pull it off, but it, it's going to be a fun, fun, fun team to watch though. The sea dragons going forward. Absolutely, They're gonna, you got to imagine with the weapons they have too. It'll be they'll be blazing on the field as well too. You know, Josh Gordon's squad will be ready to go. So, but we're not done with alternate football too. As that wraps up the XFL part, we are looking for that. But the USFL had their second annual draft this the other day as well, just yet last night as well too. And Jake Horse, the offensive tackle out of Michigan State, going number one overall, so building heavy in the trenches. What I want to point out though too is so as you go through the first round, some really good players in there. But I'm looking at some of the players we saw go in the second round, and I'm like, oh, those are notable guys. Like, those are NFL guys like Tanner Morgan, the QB of Minnesota. Go, That's a guy who less than 13, 14 months ago was expected to be a draft pick. Then you look at Justin Ford, the cornerback out of Montana, had nine interceptions in his first season, first team all-conference, and then they, teams just refused to throw his way for a reason. Nine, there, I can give you nine of them. Isaiah yeah. Bolden from Jackson State as well, too. Quinton Burrow, and of course, everyone – one every Big Ten player's favorite polarizing quarterback, Adrian Martinez out of Kansas State, who played for Nebraska for four seasons as well, too, is dynamic, dynamic as it gets on the ground and with his arm as well. So a very a lot of really good players in this draft. And I'm looking at that second round. I'm like, this could have been a second round NFL draft, depending on when you told me. I mean, like, that's a really good set of players. I'm I'm not even gonna stop there. I won't even go to the third round there for uh, for a pick there. And that's Malik Cunningham out of Louisville. Louisville. You're telling me Malik Cunningham. Fell to a third round in the in the USFL draft, like collegiate draft here. No, that's that can't happen. And not only did he go to the USFL, he goes to the reigning champion Birmingham Stallions. Who, by the way, guess what they love to do? They love a dual threat quarterback in their offense. So Malik Cunningham. Might just sign himself up as a future MVP of the league at the rate landing with Birmingham there. And that's, I mean, that's just an impressive, I think out of all the draft picks, I think Birmingham did the most to address what their issues were. Cause even in round four, getting Darius Davis, the, the small little speedster out of TCU, that's a huge pickup as well. Um, you know, Mark Evans late in the draft offensive lineman out of Arkansas Pine Bluff. He was a guy that, you know, made a few all-star conversations, uh, these all-star games and, and was actually impressing scouts regularly. So, I, I'm surprised some of these guys ended up in the USFL and didn't actually, you know, hold out for an NFL draft option, maybe late round draft pick. But I mean, hey, congratulations to him because that, some of these guys are have, have hit the uh, the gravy tra- gravy train, if you will. Definitely as well too. And one, eight, you had ten rounds, eight teams, so eighty new players getting a chance to continue playing football. Seventy nine, excuse me, but yeah, eight, seventy nine because New, New Jersey lost the round one pick. Okay, oh no! Actually, no. Eighty picks. Okay. It was actually eighty. They gave him two. They gave him two round tens. I was like, hold on now, guy. I I thought I got eighty. Like, okay, but, my but, bad. Yeah. yeah, my bad. My bad. Eighty they gave him two players. round tens, and and only and and they had no round one. 
80 new guys getting a chance to continue their professional football dreams as well. So you love to see it as football continues to be, I guess, the America's favorite as well, too. And it continues in even in a different manner. So I'm looking forward to when the season kicks off because there's a lot of high quality players will be watching out for as well, too. But that's going to do it for our opening tip off segment. We take a little bit of an alternative look at football with the USFL and the XFL. We look forward to getting a little bit more involved in those as the season progresses along, too, because they are a real fun blast to watch. And they give you that, they help you scratch that football itch when there's not a whole lot else to scratch around with as well too so that's now going to take us into kelsey's second favorite part of every show and that is the main event the main event of course brought to you by manscaped use code hilo sports get yourself 20 percent off at checkout and i could tell you all about it but instead we'll, we'll go and let them tell you a little bit about it yourself as well we have breaking news manscaped now sells beard products that's right they are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with a brand new beard hedger pro kit from a beard trim to a fresh shave the technology behind the beard hedger pro kit allows you to shape your signature beard look now you can finally use manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using the promo code bellyupfantasy for 20 percent off and free shipping it's time to tame your mane no one likes a weird beard so say goodbye to all your stubble and trouble with manscape pro beard kit it all starts with the beard hedger this thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces first off this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons that's right face grooming doesn't need to be hard get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. So make sure you get 20% off in free shipping when you go to Manscaped.com by using the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Once again, that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at Manscaped.com. And once again, we definitely can't help but recommend Manscaped as well, too. Obviously, that, that code you saw there works as well. But definitely use code Hilo Sports for 20% off and free shipping. Same deal as well, too. But the Hilo Sports one helps us out a little bit more. So either one you use, you're getting a good deal. But we appreciate it if you wanted to, you know, give ours a try as well, too. So give them, yeah, give we, we, look, we had to give a little love to the, the, the Belly Up Fantasy Football Leagues. Obviously, um, you know, me dominating my fantasy football league with Belly Up this season. So I got to give them a little bit of a love, uh, you know, some love there. Um Give, give him a little bit of shout out during the promo. You just wanted any chance to say you dominated the fantasy football league. That's all you're, that's all we were here. I had for one, I had one good league, man. And then the rest the, the other ones were just, they were, they were not, not good at all. You know, all you needed is one. That all, that's all it took. But now we're going to transition from the alternate football leagues. We're now going to talk a little bit NFL as the NFL combine is a little over a week away as all players will gather into an Indianapolis, get themselves poked, prodded, trimmed, everything you need, everything the scouts want to do to basically see, if that is going to be their next player as well, too. And they go through on-field tests, on IQ tests, interviews. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of a cluster, but it does oftentimes transform people's dreams. And we saw someone catapult from arguably a, a top 30 pick to a number one overall pick based on their combine performance last year as well, too. So dreams can be made in Indianapolis in this up in these next couple of weeks as well, too, in about 10 days. So what we're going to do, we're going to start really early. We're going to do our pre-draft combine top 10 NFL prospects. So right now, these would be the top 10 guys <laughs> we would rank as of right now that have already declared for the NFL draft. Can we say that one more time? Our still too early pre-draft com. This is what the NFL offseason is turning into, ladies and gentlemen. We have to do it this time because 
we're still behind the times if you ask the NFL Network. They're, they're, they put out six different mock drafts. They put out six different big boards. And you know what, though? They still don't have a better record than us than our previous two big boards combined. DJ, if you, you know, our, our nice two, two seasons of big boards in the, in the drain. And guess what? Over 80% of our fi- top 50 have been drafted in the top 50 picks. And you can go look with their draft profiles and with them too. They seem to have worked out pretty well, but we, we won't toot our own horn too much as well too. Cause we got, oh, I will, I will toot. Our I know you will. We have plenty of time to do it. We got a whole, we got a whole couple of months left for the NFL draft and plenty of time for to do so as well too. And some future big boards coming up as well too. We'll keep the, keep it going for the third year in a row. So keep it out for that. But Kelsey, we're going prospects 10 to one. We're going to go ahead and rank how we're looking at them right now. Uh, and reiterating for everybody, this is not the top 10 players we think will be drafted. These are the top 10 ranked ones. Like this doesn't mean they'll get picked 10 through one in those spots. These are the just ranking them. If we gave them a grade or a number. So like if it was Madden, these would be the 10 highest overall. So Kelsey starting at number 10. What are we looking at for your top 10? Oh, I'm probably going to catch some flack from this one right off the bat because well, that's just what happens. I guess when I make these lists, uh, I'm going B. John Robinson out of Texas. It's not that I don't think he is a potentially better player here. I do worry a little bit about his top end speed. And in the NFL, we've seen some running backs really not be able to get away from guys if they don't have top-end speed. And so for me, Bijan Robinson, I do worry about that. Uh, once he gets through the first level, if he's able to break a tackle with a linebacker, is he able to escape beyond that? That's the only worry I have about Bijan Robinson. Because beyond that, the guy runs the ball with impeccable vision. Like, impeccable vision. And he goes, drives through the hole. It's so patient through the hole. It is, it's a fantastic thing to watch. As an office, a former offensive lineman, he's like the running back I wish ran for ran ran through through the holes that i made like that's what i wish um so Bijan robinson he is going to be my number 10 uh there to start it off and I, again he's it's pre-combine so with depending on what his combine stats are he could easily climb into the top eight top seven top six maybe even top five absolutely and unfortunately though because of positional value he is definitely not going top 10 unfortunately because running yeah. backs a dime a dozen as great of a prospect as he is Running backs won't go that high, unfortunately. But that's not what we're here to do. We're here to grade the overall player. So who are we looking at now climbing up the list? Yeah, so at number eight or number nine, I'm going actually with Dalton Kincaid, the tight end out of Utah. And this one's probably, again, talk about catching some flack here. Uh, I, I picked him over the Notre Dame tight end. How dare you? Yeah, I did. I picked him over Alabama's tight end. Yeah, absolutely. Dalton Kincaid's been the only target offensively at receiver for the Utah Utes and for Cam Rising for three seasons now. And by the way, not a single soul in the world, whether it be for Ohio State or any other team that comes to play Utah, can guard him. I don't know what it is, but the dude just gets open. It's eerily reminiscent to how we saw with, you know, uh, this is going to be bad again. Uh, eerily reminiscent to, to how Gronk would just find his way open. Not the fastest guy in the world, but just somehow got open. And it's really the, his quick quick ability, like his ability to change speeds, change, change his direction very easily. And really smooth for a guy that's what six foot six, six foot five, uh, almost two hundred fifty pounds. So yeah, he, he's an impressive, impressive uh, target here for Utah. And so that's why I'm going Dalton Kincaid here. Tight ends are fun this year because there's like three of them at the top with him, Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, and Darnell Washington from Georgia is kind of like the three. I don't, I don't even want to get started on Darnell Washington, man. That dude is he's a freak, but he is not. He hasn't proven enough as a tight end. You, and depending on who you talk to. You, all three of those could be in the top 10. All three of them could be out of the top 10. One could be in there. It doesn't matter. Talk to, they could all be in different spots. So tight end this year is a lot of fun compared to the last couple of years where last year we didn't have a whole lot that stood out too much. And then the year before that it was Kyle Pitts and everybody else. 
exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, hey, we'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. If he runs fast, I could see him climbing up a whole lot of boards if he runs relatively quickly. Dude, Darnell Washington is a freak, and but you know what? Let me stop. Let me stop with the tight end love before I get too too crazy. All right, so we're at, to number eight. <laughs> yeah, no, number eight. I'm gonna go to a. There's something that been late the last couple drafts about just guys with NFL pedigree, and if you guys know who I'm going here, the guy is built for the NFL, and he's built really to play this inside the box defensive back role that's been hugely popular lately in the NFL. That's Joey Porter Jr., an absolute truck stick of a corner. I'm sorry. Like, he really hits like he is a linebacker a lot of times. And he's fast enough. He's big enough. He's, he can keep up with almost pretty much anybody uh, that runs a route against him. So, uh, yeah, give me Joey Porter Jr. Again, we're, we'll have to wait and see about his combine here. I do think he has the biggest potential for me to be a bust come combine. Like, he can prove himself to be like a 4-6-40 running type of guy with really stiff hips. I don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see. But from what I saw in the field for two seasons, really, I, I'm going to say two seasons of solidified work here for Joey Porter Jr. I like what I saw. Absolutely, absolutely. He's got a little bit of Joey Porter Sr. Who, if you those who remember, was one of the Pittsburgh edge rushing linebackers who kind of wreaked havoc there for about a four to five year period off of the edge as well. Too, they both bring the lumber if you're not careful. You know, so I I like Joey Porter a lot. If he tests well, he can climb up a lot of boards too. It's a deep corner class, and he has the chance to stand out. I will say I don't think his future in the NFL is going to be best suited at corner. Um, I, I just, I, like I said, I think he's that inside the box TB hybrid Isaiah Simmons esque. Um, I think that's really what I see him as going forward. But I, I mean, he's a cornerback at, right, for right now, so that's where he's going to be listed, I guess. Nickel corner safety hybrid. I think there's room for him on the team. You find a way to use him. Exactly. So I'm moving up to number seven. Uh, I'm going to stick with the kind of conversation about big boys uh, here. And and that's number seven is going to be Broderick Jones, uh, Georgia offensive lineman, technically tackle, but eh, NFL at this point in time, I've seen a six foot seven guard at this point in time in the NFL. So anything is possible when they actually get onto their teams. Um, it's really based off of need, but I think Broderick Jones is probably going to convert to just being a tackle anyways. Dude's strong. He's <laughs> as really as strong. Like he's, uh, he's, he's just farm strong. Like, you get him out there, and he'll just he'll throw somebody out of the way. Uh, he's been going against probably three of the best pass rushers the mm-hmm. NFL draft has seen recently in practice every day for two seasons. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Broderick Jones here again. Offensive linemen in this one are there's a lot of them that are going to be pretty good in, in this draft, and I think for me Broderick Jones is he he's you'll see as I continue this, but he's not my top offensive lineman, but I do think he has the potential to climb that easily. He. He's got some terrifying measurables, and he's just he has the intimidation factor. You stand next to him, it's like, oh yeah, that's a full grown man. Plus some, like that's not just a man; that is a full grown man. Exactly. So, sticking with the offensive lineman here, I'm going to go to number six, and I'm going Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. Uh, I do think he's long, lengthy. I, again, as much as I diss on Ohio State guys in the NFL, offensive linemen from Ohio State trend very well. Uh, linebackers as well. Those two positions in the NFL defensive ends, I'll also include those guys as well. Um, those, I guess, those three position position groups, those are the best trending position groups from Ohio State. But really, offensive line takes the cake for me. Um, Paris Johnson is just—he's a guy that knows how to do both things, both pass rushing and run blocking, very well. Especially when you consider the new evolution of the read options and how they've they've been over the years. And with CJ Stroud, he was able to protect CJ Stroud very well. I mean, CJ Stroud had 
hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. And a lot of reason why is you had Paris Johnson out here just manhandling dudes. Uh, so for me, that's why I'm going to stick with Paris Johnson here at six. And again, uh, like Broderick Jones, I think Broderick Jones has the best potential to fly up boards. I also think he has the potential to drop down boards. Paris Johnson, to me, is going to be like two through five offensive linemen. I don't think he really moves beyond that. I don't think he's ever going to be number one of the offensive linemen here until after draft day. But I think pre-draft day, he stays in that two to five range for offensive linemen. He reminds me of Elijah Fair Tucker from a few years ago, where he'll never be number one with the Rashawn Slaters and the Penny Sewells, but he ain't going far. Like he, his floor is starting lineman. It feels like, like that's just the worst you get out of him. Yeah, like I mean, oh, you're gonna give me a Lane Johnson uh, in the uh, okay yeah. out of the draft? Like, all right, that that works. I'll, I'll take a Lane type, Lane Johnson esque type of player. Like, pff, sign me up for that all day long. Um, but hey, you know what? Whatever. I, I digress. And my final offensive lineman in the group, I'm just going to go and, and pull the, pull the bandaid mm-hmm. off here. Uh, Peter Skronsky out of Northwestern. He is my number one period. Uh, I think he might be everybody's unanimous number one. I don't know. It depends on if you like, you know, pure athleticism a little bit more so than absolute technique. And this is kind of the conversation we had a few years ago with, with Panay Sewell, um, whether he is, he's the guy to go with, or if it's going to be uh, the former guy out of Northwestern, whose name is escaping me from, Thank you. And uh, what, what is going to be either one of them? And who which would you like? Athleticism, Pesul, or do you like technique? Um, I like the technique a little better. So I'm going to go Skronsky here from Northwestern. By the way, a spoiler alert when it came to those two, the answer was yes. The athleticism, <laughs> or it was the, the answer was yes either way, just like in this case. I mean, case, honestly, I yeah. But yes. like, if we're. <laughs> If if we're if we're if we're, we're gonna sit here and like nitpick, which they're gonna do at the combine, like you, you, you know, Skaronsky gets the technical ability, and everybody, and, and Broderick Jones gets the the athleticism, and Ferris Johnson really athleticism as well. Exactly, it should be. It's a it's definitely a good group here at the top as well too. And you know, if you can get any of those, you're feeling a lot more. You're feeling a lot better about your offensive line group, regardless of the rest of it the next day. Exactly. Well, going to the flip side of the uh, of of the trenches here, I'm going to go defensive line for my number four pick. It's going to be Miles Murphy from Clemson, a guy that didn't play in his draft in a, in his bowl game, but that's okay because you know what he did in the regular season was just destroy offensive linemen. As much as I talk about manhandling from the offensive line standpoint, from the defensive line standpoint, it is just as important. On top of that, as in more of an interior defensive lineman. He has one of the most impressive abilities to get at the passer from an interior defensive perspective, which is shocking to me. Uh, most interior defensive linemen in college don't get that. And he does have the ability to slide to the outside a lot. And he can play 50-50 if you need him to. All uh, I mean, I'm not going to say he's as great as Aaron Donald, but all uh, Aaron Donald's play style where he can slide in and out like that or w- insert defensive line slash defensive tackle that is in the game today. Uh, they know how to do that, have that ability. So Miles Murphy, I think, is going to be kind of the next line of defensive linemen that we see here. But I think, I think uh, for me, he's currently number four. But uh, this is going to be one that's really going to – he's going to depend on how he tests. I really do feel like if he tests badly, uh, he can fall very, very fast. I think if he tests well, that versatility you mentioned to play inside and out as well is going to help. I mean, he's listed as edge, but when you watch him play too, he dominates from the inside as well. So you can – just electric slide him across the line and get a matchup that you want. It's like, oh, there's left side strong. I will stick him at right defensive tackle. Oh, great. Now he's terrifying still. So his versatility, I think, is going to be huge. And I think his ability to, to also play the run. I think that's 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 kind of where I'm sitting here like, okay, you, sure. you're telling me that you have the ability to play the run as well as you do and get to the passer from any position on the defensive line. 
I'm okay with that. Like, I'm going to just be like, like, it may not be the prettiest pick. It may not be the sexy pick that you want to see from your team if you're in the top five, but it'll be the pick that gets your team into the playoffs. So that's that's how I feel about him. I, again, I just based off testing, though, I mean, if he goes in there and tests poorly, like, by all means, shut me up. Mm-hmm. Um, but as of right now, it feels like he could be that guy that kind of helps at a defense get the extra oomph, if you will. Absolutely. All right, so number three, uh, you guys have probably been waiting for me to get to the quarterbacks, and well, here it is. Mm -hmm. My one and only quarterback in my top 10. Yes, I said it. One and only quarterback in my top 10 and the only quarterback inside the top 13 in my my top 13 uh, list as well. Uh, That is Bryce Young out of Alabama. Um, Obviously, we all know what Bryce Young has been able to do in his career, and he did so despite Bill O'Brien. He also did so despite having a quality running back his senior year. Oh, also, let's not forget, and uh, you say what you will about Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs, fantastic late-season guy, but early in the season was non-existent. Uh, Bryce Young has led some of the craziest comebacks I've ever seen on his worst quarterbacking days. His best quarterbacking days are when Alabama somehow lost. And yes, I'm talking about Tennessee. Doesn't make sense. He had a fantastic day, and they lose against Tennessee all because his defense let him down. That's it. He played half of the season with receivers that didn't know how to catch and a running back that couldn't run the ball because there was no Jameer Gibbs out back there. And then again, he played this offense through top, through, through hell or high water. He got it through with Bill O'Brien calling the plays. And I don't get how anybody can call plays or can, can be successful with Bill O'Brien. The Texans couldn't be successful with Bill O'Brien to the point where Bill O'Brien traded their best weapon to the Arizona Cardinals for chump change, garbage, trash, whatever you want to call it. The ghost of uh, David Johnson. Yeah. Like it was, it's embarrassing. So uh, look, I, I got to give Bryce Young here. I, I, we talked, we, you and I have talked about this off air a lot, uh, but he's got to hit that 200 weight mark. But I do think even despite like his height wise, I don't really worry about. I think as long as he, as long as he hits that 200 mark, which he should, I mean, his body is going to grow. He is still young. He's still a young guy. But as soon as he hits that 200-pound mark, they, I don't think there's going to be a better quarterback that we've seen in the last three years. Uh, and I basically basically back to the Joe Burrow draft, I'd say there's not been a better quarterback on the board um, for me. I think it's just as far as pure talent. I think Bryce Young is that dude. Maybe Trevor Lawrence, but when you're putting him in that category, that's pretty darn good category. And I also want to mention, too, this might be the worst Alabama team as a whole we've seen in a very long time when you look at the receiver. Just what we're used to seeing, how wide were you seeing a tight end, running back defense. It was a two-man show, really, two-and-a-half-man show this year compared to we've been – this year they took a step off and they were still a hop, step, and a skip away from being being in the, in the playoff nonetheless too, because of what Bryce Young and a couple other guys were doing. And we'll talk about one of them here soon, each I'm pretty sure. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm going to get through my top two pretty quickly because I think these are unanimous top two. Uh, number two, I'm going Jalen Carter from Georgia. This one, I'm just splitting hairs here. Uh, I think the extended ability of my number one pick, which is Will Anderson Jr., is why I have Will Anderson ahead of uh, of Jalen Carter. Not taking anything away from Jalen Carter. I think Jalen Carter is a high-quality player. I think he's a great defensive, defensive tackle. But the problem was you sat between two previous first-round picks last season. Like, you were a third-string guy last season technically a defensive tackle so uh, i mean nothing against him he just kind of falls into a prisoner of the situation um and and that's just my opinion will anderson i think look let's not forget will anderson had the record for all pass rushers in ncaa football history two seasons ago for sacks 
It wasn't Aiden Hutchinson. It was Will Anderson Jr., ladies and gentlemen. He did that as a sophomore. And then as a junior, he was just making the big plays. I, and so I, I look at that, and I think Will Anderson is he, – he evolved to the point where he understands his positioning. He doesn't have to be in every play making the impact. He just makes the impact when he needs to, and he just makes the play on every play. Um, so that's what I, I, I really felt with Will Anderson, whereas Jalen Carter, I feel like he can be taken out of games at times. But, again, he'll develop just fine. It'll be just fine going into the next level for him. Uh, but as of right now, I'm going Will Anderson 1 and Jalen Carter 2. If the quarterback race at the top that we imagine we're going to see between those quarterback needy teams and trying to trade with the Bears, that that argument for number one pick between Jalen Carter and Will Anderson was going to be fascinating for these next few months. But I think we both are kind of in agreement it's going to be which one of those guys goes at two, three, or four, depending on how the trades end up playing out, assuming there are <laughs> trades. So it's going to be fascinating. Hey, to watch the Bears team. the Bears could take Jalen Carter with number one, and I'd be okay with that too. I'd give him a round of applause. I'd have some questions about what how nobody traded nobody offered i'd have some questions but you know what yeah like you didn't screw it up really you still didn't screw it up exactly like you didn't screw it up but there's probably better option out there there might have been a different route but i mean the the final answer i guess is right you end up with will cart with will anderson or jalen carter you the fine i don't care about the math you did the right you got the right answer regardless yeah yeah we're not asking you to show your math on this one we're just asking you how you like what your final answer is Exactly. It's going to be a very, very, very fun dra- draft comp. So real quick, love you recap your top 10 prospects list for us. Who you who you have top 10 pre-combine as a prospect grades? Yeah, so my pre-combine prospect grades here, again, still way too early pre-combine NFL prospects for the top 10. Go number 10, Bijan Robinson, halfback out of Texas. Number nine, Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah. Number eight, Joey Porter Jr., the corner slash I'm going to say linebacker here out of Penn State. And at number seven, Broderick Jones, offensive lineman out of Georgia. Number six, Paris Johnson Jr., offensive lineman out of Ohio State. Number five, Peter Skronsky, offensive lineman from Northwestern. That's a lot of offensive linemen. Number four, Miles Murphy, defensive lineman out of Clemson. Number three, Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama. Number two, Jalen Carter, defensive tackle from Georgia. And number one, Will Anderson Jr., the edge slash outside linebacker from Alabama. A very fun list as well, too. And I think the good news is we're going to have some similarities because neither one of us is completely bat-ish crazy. So there are going to be some similarities. But we got some different guys in some different spots as well, too, with a lot of future moving parts. So nothing I say here will be can be held against me in the future court of draft combine law. So let's just get that ahead of, out of the way now. But I'll go and start with number 10, getting to my list. I love this group of corners this year. I think there are six first-round quality corners right now when I look at it, just across the board. I'm going to start with number 10. I'm looking at Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon. Six foot two, about 208 to 210 pounds, lengthy. His speed will be the question, like if he can run in the four fours or a low four five, like four five one. I think that's going to solidify him in the spot. With his length, his build, and his play style, he does not have to be a burner. He does not have to run four three because he has so many other physically gifted tools. Technique is really, really good. Very Namdi Asamoah, like with the Raiders, not with the Eagles or anything after that, but like prime Raiders Namdi where put him on an island, let him get inside leverage and play press man with those long arms. Have fun. He gets beat. Recovery speed is shown to be more than enough. And if you underthrow it slightly, go, go gadget arms. will reach up there and find a way to swat it down. And it's hard to jump ball. A guy who's going to be bigger than those receivers you're throwing the jump ball to. So I like Christian Gonzalez a lot with some room to climb and still a little room to fall, but not fall very far. He's not quite Tariq Wollin's freakishness, but he's got his own brand of freakishness to him, too. 
That is all good. There's definitely still, that is all good. But looking at number nine, I'm going to go with Tyree Wilson, the edge out of Texas Tech. When I look at Tyree Wilson, six foot six, 275, 280 pounds, very gifted, very athletic. He can fly up and down off the edges as well, too. He is v- honestly, this is Trayvon Walker of this year, is what he could honestly be. He is explosive, and I could see him being an abs. I could see him being absolutely dangerous out there as well, too. And he could be a guy that climbs up to number one. So keep an eye out for him as well, too. I'm going to now go ahead and move on to number eight on my list now as well, too, is we are having a little technical difficulties, but I'll go ahead and run the show for us really quickly. But Tyree Wilson is who I'm looking at for number nine. Number eight, I look at Miles Murphy, the edge out of Clemson, and Kelsey talked a lot about it. A very versatile edge rusher, could play on the outside, could play on the inside. What I think makes him very interesting is how good he is against the run. It's very reminiscent to what Jadavion Clowney has kind of done, where he's really good against the run, underratedly good, and can get after the passer as well. He's not going to be the pretty pick. I think if, he, if the Lions took him at six or something like that, or the Seahawks took him at five, if, if, if the other top guys were off the board, it wouldn't look great on draft night. The immediate aftergrades would be like, everyone would be like, what, why? But then once Sundays kick around, you'll be a very versatile, very good player as well too. So keep an eye out for Miles Murphy. I have number eight, but he can very easily – jump up and climb up this board as well too especially depending on how he get depending on how he tests now we're going to move on to pick number to draft prospect number seven this is where i'm going to catch a little bit of flack as much as i love this player i think there's a little bit of room as welcome back kelsey as well too little technical difficulties just to recap for you where we're at 10 christian gonzalez nine tyree wilson the edge out of texas tech number eight we got miles murphy out of clemson and now we're just reaching number seven, who is one of my favorite players in the draft, but I can't rank him any higher till after the combine. And that is, of course, your number one quarterback in mine as well, too, Bryce Young out of Alabama. Heisman Trophy winner, incredible last season with limited weapons, escapability, a whip of an arm, deadly accurate. My only concern is the weight. I don't even care as much about the height as long as he's not like under, as long as he's not like 5'8 or 5'9. If he's 5'10 or 5'11, we're good. Like I, he's already proven that the, the height won't bother him. He can see. He doesn't have to Russell Wilson and drop back 30 steps and sprint forward 10 to be able to read anything. It's not Baker who has the tendency to look straight ahead. He has it. Bryce Young finds the lane similar to Drew Brees. I just don't want him under 200 yet because quarterbacks get hit enough in the get hit a lot, especially with offensive line these days kind of shaky because they don't get as much training camp practice to hit each other. So I don't really want, I want him to be able to take those hits. I'm not worried about him running. It's those hits in the pocket. So if he's 200, if he's 205 pounds at the combine, knowing he's going to put on weight just by naturally being a 22-year-old who's going to get, as we joked around, when I was 22, when I was 25, in that get time frame, I put on roughly 25 to 30 pounds, whether I wanted to or not. So it's in, it's inevitable just with life. So I think he'll be fine. If he was six foot two and 215 pounds right now, the bidding war would have already begun with between the Colts, the Texans, the Raiders, the Panthers. Like it'd already be oh, $1, 1,000, 1,000, $2,000. The auctioneer voice would be running out of steam, right? I would have started since the day after. Dude, if he was, if, if, if he would hit, if let's say he's 225 right right now, like 225 and you know, he's six foot tall. The, I, you already know two through seven is sitting here. Just like, what do you want? Do you want my all money. my ones? You want all my ones and twos? You want all my ones, twos and threes for the next three years? Take your pick, Bears, because you can have it all. I will give you the world, if you will. Like it is like a small world in the Bears' hands. If if Bryce Young was had had measured out that way, but as it is, it's still like 
there's still the point that the Bears fans are sitting here talking about trading Justin Fields for Bryce Young. So, but I digress. Absolutely. Honestly, if he was about six foot two and two ten, just a little bit bigger, more quote unquote prototypical quarterback size, I think he's Joe Burrow. They both move out in and out of the pocket so well. They both can run and escape. It's their ability to move while throwing, which is absolutely incredible. And when you're playing quarterback, there's car crashes going on all over the damn place around you, especially in the SEC with Jalen Carters and Will Andersons and stuff going on all over the place. He is never phased by it. He just slides and moves, throws it off angle platforms like he doesn't panic, which is a very rare commodity. Him and Caleb Williams were the two best, and Drake May. I got to give Drake May credit to. Those were the three guys in college football. And I look, I'm like, they just, they're not really affected. They don't panic. They don't seem scared. So Drake, Caleb Williams has moments, especially when he's hurt down the stretch, but they never really panic. He tries to I, run and make plays because he can, but he doesn't yeah. seem. I will say that Bryce Young, through injury or not, never panicked. Caleb never. Williams, it, when injured, did panic. Drake May, well, doesn't really panic, but he just kind of makes some dumb decisions. We, so, we definitely want to see more of him with him being basically a redshirt true freshman. So we got to see more of Drake May as well, too. But yeah. it's like, it, but Bryce Young, he always seemed to come, he never seemed to panic, even when he was moving and things weren't going right. And you mentioned his best. His worst games had some of his best moments with the comebacks like against Texas and Auburn is to that as well, too. And what he did to Georgia. Don't Mike, do that to me. I'm, I'm more concerned about what he did to Georgia in that SEC championship game two years ago as well, too. And barring injury, who knows? Maybe he's a national champion as well, too. You never know if he could if he has if he has a host of receivers that game. But point is Bryce Young, if he hits six foot and two hundred five pounds, he skyrockets up by board of three. But the weight's just mildly concerning. You can't have a hundred and ninety pound quarterback. That's just a that's a little concerning when you have DeForest Buckner's and Aaron Donald's and Chris Jones. Oh, Lord, I don't want those hitting my quarterback, even if he is 230, let alone if he's a buck 90. So moving on before I can do, we can do this all day, but moving on to number six, I also got Broderick Jones, the lineman from Georgia as well. Guard tackle, probably not center, but guard or tackle, an absolute mauler power. O run off of his run off of his backside. I think he's going to be a mauler from day one. Who's going to refine his pass game. The, Stetson Bennett was never touched behind him. And no matter who they lined up at running back, there was five plus yards of carry, if not a whole lot more. And against TC, it was 19, 19 yards of carry. So Roger Jones, I think is going to be a mauler from day one with, I think he's going to be very athletic. The measurables are going to be good. I think he can even climb up this list a lot too. Number five, I got your boy, Peter Skoronsky, because he's my boy as well too. Northwestern offensive lineman. Technique, fantastic, good athleticism. I think the concern is he might have some shorter arms than you'd like for a tackle, but which I get that. But at the same time, they said it about Rashawn Slater too. As long as they're not T-Rex arms, I'm not terribly concerned. His floor is really good starting guard, it feels like. Oh, no. Oh, oh no, I have a big head and little arms. They won't ever catch me holding now, ladies and gentlemen. I'll just... Sorry, shorter arms don't hurt as an offensive lineman. I think they think like, don't let the defense align in your body, but they forget people know how to adjust and play technique. It's not long arms are great, but you can adjust. It's not like he has those T-Rex arms. He's just not freakishly lengthy. Like they, The same coaches that believe that are the same coaches that were like, hey, you take this part of your helmet and you put it at that part of his helmet too. And that's, yeah, that's why the offensive linemen end up with so many concussions. Um, but I digress. I mean, 300 pound men are not meant to collide that many times without some repercussions, no matter how they do it. That is all that is explosions going on. But uh, yeah, but I digress. We won't go too far into that. But Peter Skaronsky have his offensive lineman number one and sitting at number five. Number four is the guy who's climbed up a lot of boards. He only started playing football like six years ago, too, if I'm not mistaken. I got Devin Witherspoon, the corner out of Illinois. 
put him in man coverage. He had a lot of sauce garden in him how he played this year. The passer rating against him was like in the twenties or something ridiculous when he was in when he was in man coverage. He was absolutely unbelievable. And when you turn turn on and watch him, always in the right spot, never overextends. I'm not saying he is sauce gardener because that's a first team all pro rookie. That is incredibly rare. But I think he has a lot of similar traits and skill sets that we saw from Sauce Gardner. It's not necessarily the Jalen Ramsey six foot one and two twenty four three running guy. Now or the Patrick Peterson six two four three running. He might not have quite those freaky measurables. He's a little more standard measurables. Technique always in the right spot. Awareness, football IQ. Devin Witherspoon is absolutely outstanding. He could slip down just a little bit, like if he runs a four five five or something like that, just because someone else could climb up. But I. Just from the eye test, when you watch him at, at playing at Illinois, I, I am a big fan. There's a reason Illinois' defense was so darn good despite a pretty good season, actually, even though it wasn't exactly – it's not a known season on a national scale, but it was a really, really good season, especially in the Big Ten, where it had two best, playoff teams. Best season that they've had in a long time. Long time, and he was a big reason part of it, leading that defense as well. Number three, I got a guy who is not going in the top ten by any circumstance, but that doesn't take away what he is as a player. I am looking at Bijan Robinson, size, strength. The question: Does he have like that Jamal Charles speed, Adrian Peterson speed, or does he have like that just really, really good speed as well? Too that is the question as well. I don't know if he's going to run kind of like when Jonathan Taylor came out. They said, "What's he going to run?" Oh, JT ran a four three. We see where he ended, where that ended going. If he runs a four three, well, he might get picked in the first round earlier than earlier than later because he's even better of a prospect than JT was coming out as well. Too. That I hear just, Dallas needs a running back. They do have them. They have Tony Pollard. I hear they need another running back. They have uh, they have Turpin. They could put a running back. Right, we're just gonna avoid we're gonna avoid that elephant in the room. But, but you know what? If it, they take him, that's an absolutely fantastic. That's a fantastic skill set player. What's different is he is so good as a in the passing game as a receiver and as a blocker. That's what is surprising is he is already a refined pass blocker as a running back as well too. And you can tote him the rock twenty five times and not be too concerned about him breaking. You probably don't want to do that. But you can as well too. He's very similar to Saquon Barkley, but I'd say even a little bit better because he's not a he's a home run threat. But you don't really where Saquon felt like he's primarily a home run threat. Where Bijan Robinson has a little bit of him and a little bit of Zeke. So huge Bijan fan. He's not going in the top ten almost under any circumstance. But as a ranking, when he gets drafted, when he goes to Madden, he should be one of those higher rated players, one hundred percent, especially if he runs fast. Number one and number two, there is no surprises here. I got Will Anderson at number two, Jalen Carter at number one. For no other reason than they are both unbelievably good and we're splitting hairs. Will Anderson's just a, for an edge, he's looking at about 245, so maybe slightly small against the run because sometimes he's not out of position in the run, but it's harder for him to get off of blocks from those really good tackles. Same thing with about Von Miller in his career, and he turned into a Hall of Famer, Super Bowl MVP. So obviously Will Anderson, who comps a lot to that, can do that. Jalen Carter, unlike Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, who came before him, he doesn't really need to come off the field. He came off the field because those guys were, for lack of a better word, seniority and both really freaking good in their own right. Jalen yeah. Carter is not a liability in the past like Jordan Davis kind of could be sometimes. He doesn't la- he doesn't play like too high. He's more athletic than Devontae Wyatt, who's athletic as heck too. But he's the weird combination of both of them cranked up to 11 with a little bit of oh my God on the side. He could do literally everything he wants as defensive tackle. It's like Aaron Donald. DeForest Buckner and Chris Jones all got pushed together as a prospect with as far as build speed, athletic ability. So he's terrifying. If you get either one of those two players at the top, you are smiling because you got a cornerstone for your defense for the next decade as well, too. I don't see a, the worst case scenario for either one of these guys is they make a few Pro Bowls. Like I like maybe Brian Burns for Will Anderson and 
for Jalen Carter, I don't know. Like, it feels like there is a really, really high ceiling and a really high floor for both these guys. So I think we're coming to greens. Those two at the top are the close, are the can miss guys. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I, I'd say Clay is Campbell, maybe worst case scenario, uh, or, or Linval Joseph, maybe worst case scenario Absolute for Jalen Carter. Yeah, like that's that's the worst, absolute worst case scenario. But yeah, these guys are these two are probably the can't miss prospects for the this entire draft. And then you have can Bryce Young hit the two hundred pound six foot mark? Because if he does, then he's a can't miss prospect as well. And then B. John Robinson, I think, is a can't miss just depending on his speed. Exactly. There's a lot of really good talent in this draft. So I will go ahead and quickly just recap my top 10 prospects list from pre-combine. So starting at number 10, we got Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of Oregon. Number nine, we got Tyree Wilson, the edge out of Texas Tech. Number eight, we got Miles Murphy, the edge slash defensive lineman out of Clemson. Number seven, and looking to climb really quickly, we got Bryce Young, the quarterback out of Alabama. Number six, the mauling offensive lineman, Broderick Jones from Georgia. Number five, Peter Skoronsky, the offensive lineman from Northwestern. Number four, Devin Witherspoon, the corner from Illinois. Number three, B. John Robinson, the running back from Texas. Number two, I got Will Anderson and number one, the, the edge from Alabama. And number one, I got Jalen Carter, the interior defensive lineman out of Georgia. So definitely looking forward to this draft. Definitely looking forward to the combine to see how these guys measure out and test for those who do, as well as their pro days coming up as well, too. So a lot of fun times coming in the NFL draft and keep an eye out for those top 50 big boards. We will be releasing closer to draft time. We've done. This will be year three at three in a row now as well, too. And once we get a little more time to look through everybody, get the combines, the post, all of that sort of stuff too. It's going to be really fun to put that together. Definitely keep an eye out for those as well, too. It's one of our favorite things to do each year as well. So that'll you do- couldn't tell what the, the, <laughs> the grin that I have on my face. That is one of my favorite times, to, favorite things to, 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 to talk about. You're already thinking about it as well, too, and we haven't even got that far. It may be too I'm, early, but it's still not too much fun. I'm thinking about who's going to be my surprise pick that ends up in the top 50 here, like my Bailey Zappi last year. Like, Who's just, it going to be? We're going to have to stick around and find out as well. But that's going to do it for the main event. That is now going to take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show, and that is the tip-off. The tip-off, of course, brought to you by friends at Outlier. Bet smarter, not harder. Go to outlier.bet backslash Sports. Get yourself a free seven-day trial. Check out some trends, game, trends, stats, numbers. Help yourself make smarter bets. Maybe see something like, oh, nine out of the last ten games, the Lakers have, co- have not covered the spread. Well, I'm not going to pick them to cover the spread now or any other numbers like that that might stand out to you as well. So in crunch time, we're going to talk a little bit of NBA, and there's a lot of topics recently following the All-Star game about load management and what should come with it as well to manage, mismanage, or a crime or smart playing. And honestly, that that. When I look at it, I'm going to go quick with it. I don't hate load management. I don't like it. It makes sense, but I think it's kind of it's kind of reckless, especially when you do it on the road necessarily. Because let's say Kevin Durant for not Kevin Durant, he's injured. I don't want to do that. But LeBron James, for example, is coming going to play in Indiana for one time a year. People buy that those tickets. He decides to sit because it's a back to back. That sucks. That sucks for the people who came to see him. Not blaming LeBron for that. Not bl- not not fully blaming him for that. I hate the back-to-backs. I wish there's a way they could eliminate those. Or if they're back-to-backs, they're home games or something like that. I hate load management when it's for away games. That's the biggest thing that stands out. And I think one thing that might make it more interesting, and DeMar DeRozan actually said this just recently. That's kind of why we wanted to shove this one in here. Seven, in order to qualify for MVP, he said you should have to play 78 games minimum of the 82. That, the go, that way you can't just like play 
60 games have a ridiculous stash of your team sitting at number one and you get it. That's not saying anyone that has done that. Like I know Jokic is an Iron Man and plays a lot as well. Same with Giannis when they win it. But I think that gives a different kind of incentive as well, too, for those sort of things. So kind of get your thoughts on load management, mismanagement. What do you think about DeRozan's DeR- 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 comments? I love DeMar DeRozan's comments. However, fun fact for you, DeMar DeRozan would have only qualified by his own statistics back in 2017, 2018, and 2015, 2016, and then two seasons, 2012 to 2014, and then his first two seasons in the league in 09 through 210. So five, six seasons out of his career, he would have qualified. Uh, the rest he had would not qualify for the 78 games. Um, so maybe drop the number from 78 down to 70, I think would be a safer number here. Uh, but I do agree with... I do agree with what you were saying. I do think away games, I don't like load management in away games because uh, as Anthony Edwards and as LeBron has previously say, stated or Michael Jordan has stated or Kobe has stated, people pay this once-in-a-lifetime, uh, pay for this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to come and see their favorite player for an opposing team. That's it, period. Point blank, end of conversation. That's the reason why I don't like load management away. Now, I also don't like load management if you're Kawhi Leonard. And you play 50 games a season or 50 to 8 or 60 games, as DeRozan was talking about, a guy who has 60 games, incredible stats, and is possible MVP candidate. Like, no, if you don't play 70 games, if you have 20 to 30 load management ga- days, get out of here. Like, the Spurs did it perfectly under when they had Greg Popovich talk, uh, doing it with, with uh, Tim Duncan, Ginobili, and uh tony parker they would miss a combined total of 12 games and they would alternate the games that they had they, had, they, they would manage so one game it would be tim sitting out one game it would be manu sitting out one game it would be tony sitting out one game it'd be two of them sitting out but together they'd only miss like 12 games unless obviously due to injury they miss a game so yeah i don't hey i don't like i don't like load management really at all like if you're healthy play you only play 82 games for some of you, you only you only play or sorry. Yeah, you only play 82 games, period. Like that's it. You don't get playing games, you don't get playoff games, whatever. For a playoff team who's in the in the like if they've already clinched the playoff, they've already clinched their seating, or they, they have clinched the instant bid to the playoffs now, I don't care. Or they're like hey, you know what, load manage at all at all times there. If you're playing for something though, no. And if you're not playing for anything, who cares? Just play. Like, just go out there and play as a longtime Kings fan. I would have loved to see the Kings in in game 80 of a season with their full roster out there. That would be fantastic to see. But, you know, in today's day and age, it doesn't ever happen. Coaches are always worried about the future of their superstars. But fun fact, these superstars never got injured as much or get injured more than the superstars of old. And whatever reason that is, I will actually not debate that, but – Say what you will. Load management, I don't think works, period. I understand everyone gets sick days. Everyone deserves sick days. It's the same thing as well, too. Whether you're sick, you're injured, you can't, whatever it is. But, like, set when you have, like, 10 games that are missed due to rest and it's always, like, a weird coincidence, that's when it's, like, come on. And you don't play, but what is it, six total back-to-backs in a season? I think you have, I think you're required, like, each team has six required back-to-backs and one three in a row. And like, okay, fine. Don't play the don't play the middle game of the three in a row. Don't play two of the back to backs. Like that's fine by all means. Load manage that way. But then you like your CBA is built for health. 
and built for re- resting players. So to take load management is to just kind of throw your own CBA away at the end of the day. If you, I think all back-to-backs for each team, I think it'd be nice that they still spread it out and made it so the back-to-backs were both home games, if that makes sense, too. Like, yeah. let's say the Lakers have a back-to-back. They play the Clippers the first one, even though it's ironically a double home game. Then the Spurs the next one, but you don't travel during it. Then, like, those teams that you know are what? traveling. Play Clippers-Clippers, you know? That used to do a doubleheader <laughs> like the Yankees and the Red Sox used to do all the time. Something like that as well, too. I think there's ways around it for both, but I'm kind of in agreement with you as well, too. It's it's tough because you it's really tough, but at, at the same time, I get it, but I don't like it. I don't like it, but I get it. But at the same time, it's reckless. We could go on and on about this. It's a yeah. very goofy scenario, but I definitely agree. I think there should definitely be a like an eighty percent attendance rate, maybe eighty five percent attendance rate for any sort of post, any sort of regular season award is something like that as well, too. Yeah, yeah definitely. I definitely think awards. If you if you load manage at a certain point, like the awards should be a, a non plus for you. Like you shouldn't have no chance at awards. Like no, no I'd even add in no chance at all star games and no chance at all, all NBA teams either. Absolutely. So, like, if that's a stipulation in your contract, sorry. Like, and that's, a, and we're saying this is rest time. If you're actually on the injury report, that's a little bit different. Yeah. Like, if, granted, people will finagle back, oh, no, his back hurts. It's like, well, I woke up funny. But either way, that's better than just like rest. But yeah, we digress. Okay. We, won't, we won't dive too far into this one. We won't, we won't keep you here for another 45 minutes of us going on about yeah. low. As an old man who, who struggles to get out of the bed in the morning because <laughs> my own back hurts and my own knees hurt, I, I, I digress. exactly as well too but that's going to go ahead and do it for us here on the high low sports podcast we appreciate you all joining us here this evening or if you're checking us out later on in the week as well too let us know what you think about the prospects tell us who your favorite xfl team is let us know what you think about load management as well too you reach out to us on all of our socials as well too we got a lot of fun stuff coming up so keep up keep up to date on that as well too and until next time we will see you guys all later next week we look forward to talking more sports with you guys as the season and the years go along